Okay, are we there? Holly! Are we here? Did it work? It worked! What a little overachiever you are! (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations! (laughs) Hey, thanks! And welcome to Mental Notes from my minivan! (laughs) I'm so happy to be here! I am more happy that you're here. Um, this we are listening to the lovely voice of introduce yourself, lady, or should I? I just don't know what you prefer to go by. Are you oh. just straight Holly Leeson? Yeah, Holly Leeson. Or yeah. do you go by Holly Hinkley Leeson? Um on Facebook I go by Holly Hinkley Leeson only because if you're there so was you no, can find people. So you can right. find people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. In my day to day I go by Holly Leeson. You don't like walk around going, do you know who I am? Yeah, I absolutely don't do that. (laughs) Correct. If you lived in Utah, Holly, I should hope that you would leverage that name because (laughs) (laughs) otherwise that would be not smart. Well, when I moved back to Utah to go to law school and I've been living in New York City for a few years in graduate school and working and I was single, so I was still Holly Hinckley and I was used to kind of being anonymous except at church but when oh, you're yeah. friends with people they get over that in about five minutes and right. it's done yeah so I moved back to Provo to go to BYU law school and then anything from buying a car to paying tuition to opening a bank account became a conversation about my family <laughs> and it really oh. threw me off. and it was fine I mean people were just delighted and they have stories and they say oh I shook your grandfather's hand at this place or this thing talked meant a lot to me and was very sincere and warm but I had to learn to sort of build in some extra time on my errands oh man <laughs> sort of that is do awful. that it was fine but it was an adjustment because <laughs> I hadn't been in that <laughs> okay my for bad. A few years. Yeah, yeah I don't think that leveraging it is a good <laughs> idea at all <laughs> Unless you were starting a law firm over there or something, <laughs> then you definitely, yeah. if you're starting a law firm in Utah, then maybe, yeah, it would have been <laughs> helpful, but no, otherwise it's just a big, no, name, if you're just so. paying for your groceries at the grocery store, just build in five <laughs> minutes at checkout to hear some stories. <laughs> or if you just are like trying to get out the house in your right. hoodie and no makeup and it's just not your day. Right. Um, you don't want to be going by Holly. Right. Okay. Well, already we're just learning so much. <laughs> this is fantastic. So, so my friend, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this. This is so Thank great. you for asking me. Oh my goodness. My pleasure. So, um, let's, let's, uh, let's backtrack a little bit. So everybody is like, why? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How did these guys turn out to be friends? <laughs> South African girl who's not even affiliated so much with the church anymore. And um, Holly Hinckley. So you, how about you tell me the story? Because I'm not 100% clear on how you ended up in South Africa living with my family. So there. I was in law school. And um, I BYU Law School has an organization called the International Center for Law and Religion Studies. Um, which does great work in promoting um, religious liberty and human rights really around the world and making sure that Mm. um, developing nations um, can draft constitutional um, 
um, requirements to protecting freedom of religion and um, and other human rights and freedom of assembly and all the kinds of things that make up that impact your ability to live your conscience and worship as you please or not worship as you please. But that if you protect that human right and those that go along with it, it goes a long way in establishing human rights. So wow, yeah, they, do, cool. they do some amazing things. And so um, I wanted to be involved with the center <laughs> and they um, take a certain number of um, fellows, law student fellows, in the summer after your first year and you can work for the center and they send you out um, to various um, legal offices throughout the world and you spend half of your summer there and then you spend the other half um, back at the law school in Provo doing research um, with one of the professors. So, um, and you can sort of rank where you want to go. And for whatever reason, I had a real desire to um, go to Africa. Um, and cool. I, and I don't Who know, wouldn't? right. It was just this fascinating opposite place of the world that I didn't have a lot of experience <laughs> with, but was fascinated by. Um, and yeah. coincidentally, my brother, my younger brother was called, um, to be a missionary in Durban, South Africa during that same time. Oh, I had yes. no idea. Okay. So I put on my application. Um, the church has an area office in Johannesburg where all of the operations for at least half of the African continent runs through, and there's a legal office there. So I applied to work right. in a legal office with the legal the head of legal counsel there. And awesome. I got the job. So imagine. So, <laughs> Wonder of wonders. <laughs> so then, you know, everybody says I, I see, but I never okay. think of those things. I just think, oh, I'm so excited! I can't believe I got this thing, and then it doesn't occur to me until someone says, "Yeah, of course, you got your first choice of Obviously. locations." Well, you didn't grow up with that sense of entitlement. No, so I didn't. Great. I didn't. You, at you all. didn't recognize it. That's what. That's lovely. It. So then, the question was where do we house this young American <laughs> law student, single woman um, in uh, Johannesburg? And right. um, I, I'm not sure how the sort of request went out, but I, I think the area legal counsel just said, hey, we've got this intern coming. Can anyone house her? Um, mm. And your mom worked in the office. Um, Yes, she worked in, in church, church offices, offices yeah. and she volunteered, which was wonderful. Now, did they have like an outside like a, apartment at that time or were you just I was in, in the house. house? Although there was an outside I'd, apartment. This is I had already moved. You were, hard, so yeah, you were yeah. gone and Shona was gone and Seth was on his mission. Okay. Oh, so you're probably in Seth's so space So Luke then. went to, Seth's space was the outdoor space, right? And oh, okay. Luke went yes, to live yeah. there, and I lived in the okay. house. And I think they just were worried about safety, oh, or me yeah, feeling, yeah. you know, like oh wait, alone I'm in outside a place. In, yeah. in the most violent city in the world, practically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was your so, two youngest siblings, Luke and Thalia, who were both <clears throat> in college at the time. And okay. so yes. we would you yeah. know, drop them off at school. And I mean, I just, this was probably around 16 years ago. It was. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I am thinking it's around that time because I know that uh, Caroline was just a baby 
I just, just took Caroline. Caroline. So it would it would yeah. have been the summer of two thousand three. Okay. Yes, and she's sixteen. Yeah. So that's about right. So almost seventeen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And the day I arrived. It doesn't it feel crazy to it say that? It feels crazy. Because yeah. it so feels like ago. it was just yeah. a couple of years ago. But I hate it when we start to talk in like times gone by in sort of like that was almost 20 years. That's like, what? <laughs> that is how old people speak. It's unacceptable. <laughs> well, I hate to say this, but we're in nope. our 40s. I think we're both in our 40s. I'm 43. Yeah. So I'm well into my 40s. I'm, 40, I'm 42. So we yeah, are. we're even Stevens. Even Stevens. Okay. And so what do you say? What were you saying? So before, Sorry. I mean, I knew that Johannesburg was a dangerous place. And I knew, I mean, I knew mm-hmm. enough that I knew a little bit that I needed to be careful. My Were your parents stressed about you come, going um, over there? I, it's hard to know because they were sort of under constant stress with my brother being in Durban. <laughs> oh, right. And they're like, let's add a girl to the right. mix. Let's throw let's that throw into that. that. But they knew that I was would be living with the family and they knew that your mom worked in the office. So I'd be commuting with her every day. And at some point, I think they just felt like it was going to be fine. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense if you also were commuting with somebody. Right. And that, that would have tied up that. I didn't have to navigate. the driving part is quite stressful. Oh, sure. Yeah. I to, and I really, I can't think of a time when I was by myself during that whole time. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a nightmare in itself. But, yeah, I suppose if you're in a weird country to you, right. um, that would be optimal because when I went back, I didn't drive in South Africa at all. Really? It was just completely out of my, um, yeah, because I've been driving in America, mostly small town America for my whole adult life. And I learned to drive in Swaziland. I I just did not have the skills to drive in Johannesburg at all. And I'm really nervous, very nervous, um, driver very which is kind of all tied up to my PTSD but then when I went back and I just saw the the crush of humanity and the lack of any kind of law (laughs) (laughs) and then you have to add like let's not get hijacked into all of that oh well that was day one so on day one (laughs) when we got back from the airport then Thalia was in the process of getting her driver's license that summer well summer for me winter for South Africa. And so we had a lesson on what to do when you're hijacked, not if you are hijacked, when you are hijacked, when you are and how yeah, to respond. Brilliant. So that was my yeah. intro to life in Johannesburg. And you're like, you know what, that's actually good because it's um, to be vigilant like that is so important to your survival. Um, I oh, think, sure. you know, in cars because we weren't we came back with our four kids at one at one point and we didn't um we were not tuned back in at all remotely and my husband left us in the like the primo hijacking spot in the driveway of the house with the car running oh yes can you no, i can't believe it yeah with all me and the kids and ran back in to get something (laughs) My mother came screaming out of the house, literally. You can I can picture this. And just jumping in the car and pulling the car, the ignition out of the car and screaming at my husband going, why do you want your whole family to die? And I was like, 
lady, are you even serious right now? And then like looking back, I'm like, Aaron was so lucky. Right. Because truly, and he's being hijacked. He went <laughs> he went on his mission to South Africa and was hijacked oh, in a car. So I'm like, yeah, that wasn't his smartest day. The thing that amazed and every now and again, I might bring that up. I don't know. How could you have done I will not deny or confirm. <laughs> The thing that was amazing <laughs> to me far. is that everyone has a hijacking story. Everyone has been hijacked. Oh, yeah. And they're including Aaron inc- Sayer. Including <laughs> American Aaron Sayer. And, and sometimes they tell the stories laughing about the experience or oh, yeah. a hijacker tried to take someone's purse and the woman had gone after him. And they punched him in him the over eye. walls yeah. to get the purse. Which is so dumb. Right. But they, it's a very yeah. lighthearted and you sort of get together in groups. And and then we all know people have died in right. the process. And right. so that makes it even more right. strange. Africans are weird, like in general, in terms of, I think this is their coping mechanism. It has, it has to, to be. be. That you have to lighten mm-hmm. it because we've all known somebody's uh, died mm-hmm. or had or almost died from gunshot mm-hmm. wounds. And... Um, and it's such a reality that you have to kind of lighten it. You have to, otherwise you just live in this mortal horror. Um, and it's, you know, going back. I don't know. I found a weird thing when I went back the second time to live with the family, um, with my own mm-hmm. children. I lost all fear of all of that stuff. It, um, I just kind of was vigilant. But you just have to switch it off in your right. brain. Otherwise, you'll go right. nuts. So did you feel frightened when you no, were there? No, I never did. No. 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 You just don't. No, you don't. You just sort of go about your day and be vigilant yeah. to the extent you can. And then just you can't live in constant fear. So No, you can't. And I think those kind of funnier stories kind of create a situation where you feel like you've got a fighting sure. chance. <laughs> Which is important. Which is important. Well, and my brother, who I actually was able to see at the end of my time there, I got permission oh, to go. Good. And his mission president was very kind and said I could awesome. come and see him. So yeah. um, I flew up to Durban and had a someone there in the congregation pick me up and found me a place to stay. I mean, <laughs> sort of wonderful. I just sort of, you know, hopped around with these people that I hadn't met before that I'm still in touch with. I know. And again, I'm like, Holly, who would have thought it? <laughs> it's shocking. I'm just like, when you're like, his mission president was very kind. I'm like, yeah. And even if he wasn't. It's not funny. I'm not doubting and he I was never, kind. Even never, until this you're moment, so cute. never crossed my mind. You're so adorable. That maybe Helen. that option just, wasn't available precious. to someone else. But anyway, I'm yeah. still in touch with some of those people in Durban who housed me and were so kind. Oh, but once are. I had That's been lovely. there and spent time in South Africa and spent time with my brother um, going to church in townships and all of that, then when he would call home on Christmas and Mother's Day, which, you know, the only times you're allowed to call home, then right. he would talk to my parents and everyone, <laughs> and then I would get on the phone and say, tell me how it really is. And then he would talk about... Uh... We had someone robbed at gunpoint, and I'm managing this violence. So your situation, parents weren't so here. They weren't hearing that part, right? Oh gosh! And was he scared or traumatized um, at all? Oh, or was it just fun and exciting because he's 19 and it's all very badass? Right, at that point. and I think at 19 oh. and 20, you kind of have a sense of invincibility. 
Yes, and you so do as a not, male, especially. And you're not quite as concerned about that. Although, I mean, it did cause him enough stress. I mean, he was smart enough to know not to tell my mother about it, about what was going on. That is intelligent. And he yes. knew yeah. that he had his mission president sort of working with him <laughs> to do everything to keep people safe. And he sort of had adjusted to the realities yeah. of living in South Africa. And this is what happened. What a nightmare for the mission president to have the prophet's grandson in Durban. <laughs> like, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> Again, something I've never <laughs> thought of. Although. <laughs> I know. I'm just like the poor guy must have been like in constant <laughs> state of high stress. Not that anybody's more important right. than another. But can you even imagine that sense of responsibility? It was actually probably a lot safer to have him there than say. Utah. I think so. I definitely think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Where he has the anonymity. The anonymity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, as weird as that Yeah, sounds. no, I think that's absolutely yeah. true. So for those of you who um, like are like, what are you? Why do you keep referencing Holly's last name and making all these like inside jokes about <laughs> Holly being some kind of pseudo celebrity? Let's... <laughs> Let's bring you up to speed. So, um, in the Mormon Church, how do Holly? You do it. <laughs> you explain okay. what your grandpa was, and then and then if you downplay it, I so won't go um, for it. the church is the president of the church who we consider a prophet. Um, yeah. So there is a president of the church, and um, the next. And he presides over the whole international church. He's the top right. dog. The, For the, global. He's like the equivalent of a yes. pope, but he has. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, he has two exactly. counselors um, that make up what's called mm-hmm. the first presidency. And um, okay. then there are um, 12 apostles. So, um, right. so those, and then a number of other um general authorities who manage worldwide kind of quorums right who manage operations of the church worldwide um but so the priesthood of the church is in layers basically right um right right? Mm -hmm. with everyone having responsibility for something but the president of the church having responsibility for everything so right and he has uh in 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 mormon doctrine he has revelatory power and uh, like ongoing. ongoing And that's what distinguishes Mormons from other Christians is that we believe or we believe I'm still I still do this um, is that and I probably always will that they um, they believe that revelation is ongoing through the prophet and also this personal Mm -hmm. revelation. But he will have revelation for the church. And so scripture is not the final. Right. 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 That the Bible written anciently is wonderful and useful, but as times change and society changes, the Lord, God gives ongoing revelation to his prophet. Yes. Yes. That's the doctrine. Yes. And so he's the one that can, um, he's the one that can reveal to other members right. of the church what, what to do and stuff like that. And then we have general conferences twice a year that are broadcast internationally, worldwide to every member of the church in some form, usually mm-hmm. on TV. Um <clears throat> Where he gives the latest updates. Right. Along. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's quite a big deal. Yes. Yeah, so he, from the time I was little, I mean, he was called to be an apostle when my father was in fifth grade. So most of my father's growing up years, his father, his parents were in full-time church service. 
um, because it, most of the um, the church leadership at the local level is a lay ministry, but from right. the apostleship, it's then it's, it's full-time. And so you leave your career and it's full-time. So this was my dad's life growing up. And by the time I was... So his parents were were employed by the church. Right. His dad. His dad yes. was. What what did his his dad do? Um, before he um, was an apostle, he worked for the church and he ran um, really what became church media. So um, oh, cool. there yeah. wasn't a church media department. There were no publications, pamphlets, brochures, movies. You know anything? There was none of that. Um, now it's huge, and we have commercials and messages and you know, Mormon messages, videos and all of this, but it didn't exist before, um, um, before my grandpa. So he sort of, what's your grandpa's Gordon name? And, I mean, sorry, Gordon B. Hinckley B. I mean, he's, okay. he's sort of, no, I meant, sorry. Your oh, great-grandpa's my great grandpa's name. name. Bryant yeah. Stringham Hinckley. Of course. Okay. Bryant. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm a bit like, lapsed a bit lapsed on all that <laughs> on your, history on your hinkley but family I did, genealogy <laughs> i did know that i did know that your grandpa your great grandpa was also like kind of a big shot and he, did he so he sort of started the whole uh pr situation so my, yes and then and gordon really escalated I, that's that. true yes because my great-grandfather did i mean he published books and he helped write sunday school manuals i think he was definitely involved in heavily yes. I thought yes yes he was and then yeah I was yeah see I read his biography and I was telling Holly this that I read his biography and I was really kind of impressed with the fact that he um you know he was very intellectually curious mm-hmm. and ambitious and and had lots of aspirations mm-hmm. of his own and he did sacrifice a great deal to work for he the did. church uh he that's not a choice he was called mm-hmm. to it and sort of then got kept getting called to higher and higher mm-hmm. positions. And it was, it was a labor of, of sacrifice for him to do that. But he did a very, very fine job in the mm-hmm. PR department. He did. I thought I'm a, I'm a marketing person. That's what my degree is. And, and so I sort of have a professional interest in the work that he did, which I thought was extremely <laughs> sharp. I mean, he on. was very comfortable like, talking to reporters and press in a way yes, that did a wasn't job of true. It. Um, previous to him he just had a comfort level with it I think because he was so unassuming but he was very well spoken and um and he did a great job he really was you know he went on 60 minutes and he I watched that that was in 95 uh yes yes yeah that was that was a pivotal moment and I remember it was it must have been the same weekend as general conference or maybe it was Easter Sunday oh. or something that, that it was broadcast. It was something. And so it had been mm. taped previous, but we didn't know how it was going to turn out. And so I remember being at my cousin's house. We were all in Salt Lake. And so that's why I'm thinking it must have been conference weekend or Easter. There was a reason right. why we were all already gathered together. And we turned on 60 Minutes and Grandpa's piece was going to be the second piece. And the first piece what was I the can't first remember, piece? I but remember. it was a tough piece. And the interview was, I think it was the same interviewer. I think it was Mike Wallace. And he just kind of Mike skewered. 
the ch- the the person. I mean, really, really. Oh, I thought it may be related. No, to the no, 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 no. Like, are the Mormons a cult? <laughs> Next up, the president of the- no, like whatever the topic was before that was unrelated. He was, he was hard. hard, and yeah. so we were. Terrified. Well, Mike Wallace was no pussy. No, bitch. no, and he and Grandpa no. became friends and kept in touch. I remember Mike Wallace being like super mm-hmm. impressed with him. And being like, you almost thou has persuaded mm-hmm, me kind mm-hmm. of thing to become a Mormon. Almost. almost. And I was like, whoa, 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 Mike Wallace, what's even happening? It was amazing. This was impressive. It was a great piece. We it were was. really grateful. He he handled himself very well. And he's just extremely shrewd in terms of just because he's uncharted. That was uncharted territory yes. in terms of promoting a church in a... Um, you know, advertising a church on every platform. That's a huge undertaking. And to do it because the Mormons were very obscure Mm -hmm. in most places or um, very looked down upon. He had a, he had a big, big, big job to do to normalize the church, which all the people were counting on because we were all really tired of seeming right. (laughs) Right. Like, We'd had enough of right. it. <laughs> and I think We're as being minimized or discounted as Christians, I think that was, I mean, it was still sort of yes, in an era. it was very hurtful and, 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 and I don't know if you saw my Facebook page, but uh, uh, recently, the same week, I was like, okay, wait, like not for me to, you know, su- you know support, in any way support or defend the Mormons. <laughs> But hold on here. Look what it's because that's a trigger still for me. Like, look, you guys don't get to call yourselves Christians if the Mormons cry right. because it's ridiculous. Right. Like they worship Jesus Christ just as much or as little as the rest of you right. guys. So in my town, somebody is saying, no, the Mormons aren't welcome at the day of prayer because oh. they're not Christians. And I'm like, that's so uninformed. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like if you guys are going to be Christians and they can be Christians right. too. And he went a long way towards kind of like introducing the idea that they're not this, you know, this completely like obscure cult that worships Joseph right. Smith. Um, the idea of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day mm-hmm. Saints. Um, and then did was he kind of in, invested in the it's about time family, isn't it about time? Because those some of those ads, I if I'm not mistaken actually won clear awards oh they may have like, yeah i don't know advertising awards those were those were very very they clever were very ads. clever and yeah. yeah so on a professional level i was like very intrigued by him and what he accomplished because he had no formal um education in those in those areas. no he was an english major and he was set right. actually to go to graduate school in journalism at columbia university yeah and wow it was and what didn't. he refers to as the bottom of the depression um which seemed mm. to in his memory span like a decade <laughs> all of these major events <laughs> in his life happened in the bottom of the depression he you're just like I know. Grandpa. Went to college, went on his mission, <laughs> got married. Grandpa, the whole thing couldn't have happened in the bottom of right. the depression. But I think was the bottom of the depression. And no, it was indicative of how searing an experience that was for those who came yeah. of age. So he was set to go to Columbia. Right. He hadn't really considered a mission because it was not. Um, it was thing. not as much of a thing. Every- it was not a thing where everyone yeah. served, and um, and in the depression, not many were being called. And his bishop right. brought him in and um, 
said, I feel like you should consider a mission. And um, he thought about it and prayed about it and decided that he should do it and knew that that meant the end of his journalism career because he wasn't going to be able to afford to do Do both. both. That was so uh, heart-wrenching to read. Was it for you as well because you loved your grandpa and had, or were you like, well, I saw how it all turned out? I, so no, yeah, so I mean, like, like the hindsight grandpa. of, you know, 50 years, it's easy to see how that was the right choice. Although I went yeah. to Columbia for graduate school. I had my, my master's degree in medieval studies from Columbia. And, awesome. um, and so you had that magical so experience. I did have the magical experience. Yeah. So you see, that's where I, my heart hurts because he was such an intellectual. He, well, he would tease me about studying medieval literature and what am I going to do with this? And the answer of course was what a way. Right. <laughs> he said, yeah. you're the one who said, get an education. He said, yes, but I meant a useful education. <laughs> and he would laugh about it, but also he made significant contributions toward my tuition while I was there. Of course. And yeah. Yeah. And that was a sacrifice well, for that's... him, but it was also so validating that he would tease me about my love for this obscure thing, but it also recognized that I was at a place that he loved dearly and had wanted to go and he was going to help me. It go must there. have been very satisfying to him to see you do that. And that's, and I think that speaks very, very well of him that he has this granddaughter, you know, I mean, there's a lot of perceptions about Mormons and I have, if you have, listen to the rest of my podcast a very very conflicted um lots of conflicted feelings right. regarding the mormon church and at this season in my life most of them um well the negative overrides right let's yes say i that. know and i don't believe it's always going to be that way i just think that's part of my healing right. process and that's where you um, are but, right now but right Yes. And I think, you know, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of work to be done and you don't have to like comment on this at all, Holly. Um, In my opinion and the opinion of many others, there's a lot of work to be done to make women, you know, feel like not second class citizens and many of them don't. But, you know, not every person within the church and the church leadership is inherently sexist. There are many. And I think it was very clear that he wasn't um, and really wanted you to get to whatever, do whatever you wanted with your mm-hmm. life. And I feel that, that your grandmother did. I was a, extremely fond of her and not that I knew her personally, but I think that she was quite remarkable. She was. So backtracking once more before we throw it back okay. to you. The reason I asked Holly onto this, of course, she has this fascinating for anybody who is a Mormon or who was a Mormon or who's interested in the Mormon church. It's very um, kind of unusual to get a look into a prophet's family <laughs> life, um, which is which I'm kind of, I mean, I'm actually very honored that you'd be like so just easy about it when I've been so very, very, very uh, vitriolic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> regarding Mormons. And that's what I find so fascinating right now about you. Because what we have, um, our relationship is kind of like not cemented in anything very solid, to be honest. <laughs> it's true. Like at all. <laughs> we have honestly, there's no reason for us to be friends. Um, apart from the fact that we have shared a um, family right. whom I've mostly disowned. Um, you hung out with them for a short mm-hmm. time. 
I um, am not fond or on speaking terms with almost all of the people that you know right. knew, um, because of recent developments, which is very tragic and sad for us. And both. hopefully won't. Be Holly has. It. I mean. Holly has only good experiences with them. And so it's very difficult, I'm certain, um, for her to sort of wrap her mind around everything that's happened. And I, um, and yet she's been incredibly kind and validating of me and what I've had to experience. So she, Holly really had every reason to recuse herself from me and be like, you know what? We don't exactly have a history <laughs> And this is all getting super heavy because we didn't go to school together, grow up together, have anything anything other than one Christmas conversation on the phone where Holly uh, chimed in a few times and I was like, and I hey, came Holly. to stay at your house when your mom came out right but it was like overnight it was overnight it was fast yeah and it was probably 15 or 16 years ago that Rob and I were newly married so Feeny it was-, was born so I have to tell you so I came out of the room super disoriented because I had this uh, newborn super sleep deprived out of it and my parent, my mom was visiting me in Ohio to visit the newborn um, a couple months after he was born. And Holly lives in Ohio. And um, so my mom and Holly were like, EPA, we can have our own little reunion. And my mom was like, cool, can Holly come and stay? Because she lived down south. Um, and, and I was like, dude, are you serious right now? <laughs> Are you for real, lady? Are you literally inviting the prophet's granddaughter to my house when I am uh, like a postpartum disaster note? And my mom was like, yes, that is what I'm doing. And I'm like, this is awful. Why? And she's like, no, because I want to see Holly. And I'm like, of course you do, because everybody's more important than me. Of course, that's what it triggered. Like, I was not a happy hostess. Oh, oh, oh. And that's what it triggered. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can and see so, that. But it's fine. It's fine. So I'm going to get to the happy point of the story. So, um, but I was still super into the church and also into, like, I love Gordon and all that stuff. But I was so intimidated. And I couldn't understand why my mom would want to do this I just was like lady why though and then I so I come out of my room and you guys have arrived and I've just woken up from a nap and I walk into the living room and there's this lady and for a brief second I'm like why is Gordon B. Hinckley in female form like young <laughs> female form it was this total flash and flash like I don't want you to I do not want to imply that you look like an old man at all Holly not at but all. I do have his nose I've always had his nose. You had something, but it was such a pleasant connotation for me. Oh. It was just like, oh. And it was just this warm, and you were such an instant delight. You totally disarmed me. I was not like in any way, like we are now in the presence of greatness. And I <laughs> I completely relaxed and we had the best time. We did have a great time and you were so kind and I didn't have children at the time. And you were so kind and like so completely <laughs> interested in everything I was passionate about. <laughs> was it was a good visit. Oh, yes. yes. I was a yes. doula and you were, um, uh, you know, newly married and planning your family in the future, not mm-hmm. too distant. And you were completely, well, you did a great job of acting fascinated. I was. I had a doula with our oldest um, did you? And then I did ah. hypnobirthing with my others. So did I. Yes. Loved it. Yeah. Hypnobirthing's loved it. the best. We'll yep. have to talk about that later. But yes, um, yes, but but you were just instantly just so kind, so disarming. And then um, and I just loved you 
instantaneously. But <laughs> the even, feeling was mutual. But even after that, you could have easily gone like, look, no, can't do anymore. This chick has <laughs> literally lost her mind. And the thing is, practically everybody else in the Mormon church did that. <laughs> including really 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 people who were so dear to me I have one particular friend who I always look um on my Facebook memories and she's not gonna hear this so no like calm down it's fine because she really just cannot with me and every single Facebook memory she's the first person to like it or the first person to like comment on it and you know she gave me a sense of family here she kind of like Mm. adopted me into her family not that I actually ever met them but we were very close fast online friends and she cannot deal with the reality of the new me and I don't feel Uh. like it's the new me at all I feel like it's the real me going through different things being right I simply cannot but it's too painful for her so our friendship I thought had huge layers and it was deeply painful to me And you didn't have any kind of thing. Plus, you also have the fact that you are personally so, so close to what I have been um, decimating ruthlessly (laughs) all over my Facebook page, which has quite a lot of reach, right? So you could see that I wasn't doing this in front of five to ten people going, there goes Kirsty. Not only was I like, the mama! I would right. also be like, the Mormon leaders, <laughs> And then a boatload of people were like, yes. And then a mob would come in with the torches and they would like, do, 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 the cavalry. And I know. Skew the church. I know. Right. I'm not doing that as much anymore because I don't no, feel the not. need. Right. But it was where you were at the time. And Holly not only didn't like okay so there's Mormons that are still willing to be my friends I'm not entirely like I can't grab them right now in my mind nobody springs directly to mind so let's just like I'm sure there are but I can't directly think of any to be honest (laughs) that's where I'm at (laughs) okay there's a few um and then no wait some coming to mind now They're, they're they're coming to mind but it's few and far between and even they are like, yo, not publicly. And also, I'm going to unfollow you. And that's oh. become very, very glaringly apparent. But Holly is in the thick of things. And she right. never stopped liking my stuff. Never that's stopped true. saying kind things. Didn't ever go, you guys suck so much. You're literally <laughs> talking about my grandpa. And I know he's not one of those people. She never did this. And I just sat there and watched with bigger and bigger and bigger eyes. Like Holly, who I virtually have no relationship with, kept liking the things, kept loving the things. When it wasn't skewering the church, would say a mm-hmm. kind comment. Now and again, you would come in with a gentle kind of correction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A sure. little. There was one time Holly got ever the slightest bit testy. And I was like, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, the slightest, though. Like the tiny gentlest but testy and eventually I was like yo I gotta reach out to this chick because this stuff is super impressive and I don't even understand it like I (laughs) do not understand a person like this I need to find out so I emailed her I was like Holly you did Holly hi there girl (laughs) who I've met one time right super um interested and impressed at how kind you've remained and it doesn't seem to be with an agenda and you were like Christy well, tell me how your response was. I, well, I think when, I when always, you got that email, you weren't like, yeah, I'm glad she's noticed. 
I'm I was super Christ like. So... <laughs> oh my gosh, no. I was just really touched that you had reached out personally. And I was, I mean, obviously you were going through lots of upheaval and um, leaving the church and there was uh, very angry and there were things you were angry about. And I sort of was seeing that and grasping all of it. Yeah, it wasn't subtle. It wasn't subtle. And it was, (laughs) no, 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 nothing subtle about that. But I also felt like it, it doesn't do any good. I mean, you were the same person. If like, if I liked you, when you were a believing member of the church, I don't understand how to turn that off when you're not. Right. That's like if I, so cool. If I'm I, like so impressed by that. <laughs> and it doesn't really do either of us any good to let a friendship. I mean, even though it wasn't that we're much closer now than we were for a real of years ago. Much. Um, <laughs> but I think that speaks to it also, right? I mean, if I yeah. if I separate from myself everyone who disagrees with me, then how am I learning and growing as a person? And I think I also felt that way p- politically. You and I are opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, mm-hmm. not opposite ends. I wouldn't say opposite. I feel like you're... Not totally opposite. but Not, um... not anymore. <laughs> not... <laughs> not currently. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, I, you know, different politi- we're generally going to vote in different political parties. Right. Gen- not right. always, but generally. Yeah. But I also, especially in light of the 2016 campaign, I felt like it was valuable for me to have voices that disagree with me on my mm-hmm. Facebook feed. That it doesn't yes. do me any good thinking through issues if the only people that I see are people that are reinforcing one viewpoint. I have and such so- an echo chamber on mine, and it makes me sad. It's mostly, yeah, I take responsibility for it. And I super wish it wasn't that way. Well, I just felt like it's helpful to have to be Yes, challenged. they've all drifted away. My people are scared. Oh, well, I'm not scared of you. I don't know. If, well, don't not know of me, but my, my other, my backers, my, you know, my loyal, like, mm. uh, uh, my loyal uh, liberals don't go easy. Right. And people are not, you know people were ceased to strive with them. They were just like, this is scary. And I'm like, no, 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 stay and fight. Stay and fight. Stay and fight. <laughs> and fight. I love it. But people don't want to. <laughs> no, I just, I and I needed people in my feed who were challenging my viewpoints. Yes, politically, it's and so healthy. It's very yes. healthy. And I also felt like we were friends. I felt like I loved your family. And yeah, I could see how deeply you were struggling with your faith and I just mm. didn't feel like cutting you off it never occurred to me to not well that's what I was so amused by when you when you responded back you're like oh Kirsty, that's so sweet it never occurred to me <laughs> like it's not like I'm making some big sacrifice no. here like Mm-mm. why wouldn't I be I'm like oh hi because you're practically the only person who's still will engage and you know I have people who engage with me who are also like super skeptical about a lot of part of the church they're still um active but mm-hmm. they're also like yeah 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 you know but yeah. you're like all in you know? yeah I'm all you're in. like a hundred percent in yep. and you are descended from our last and most beloved prophet and so I've t- you know I, I I've told Holly look I fraternize with all the apostates like the not all of them but I do fraternize with apostates and, you know, what have you. But in my mind and in my conversation, there is a firm line drawn around the Hinckley family, like untouchable. <laughs> no, 
thou shalt I love not you speak for that. evil of the Hinckleys. And you see, there's like a great loyalty because I'm like, no, I've always loved Gordon. I find him beyond reproach. And if you're going to bring me information about Gordon, who has passed on, by the way, who, and there's right. no point in that. Um, right. You know, he didn't found the church. He didn't whatever. If you want to, if you want to speak ill of, you know, maybe the founder of the church, I can, I can hang. But not Gordon, please, because I love Gordon. I love his granddaughter super much. I follow his random other relatives on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They don't even know me. I'm like <laughs> a hardcore voyeur, and um, it's like no, I will not. Like I see you with your family and there's the sweetest. They just have these genuine, lovely, lovey faces. And that's the thing, you know, when we get to know a person, then, then it's all over. Right. And I don't know if you've, you've watched the show, um, Believer, uh, the, the documentary Believer. No, I haven't. Okay. So I bet you know about it, right? No, and I've never heard of it. Oh, okay. Well, I think you should watch it. Okay. Um, it's, it's uh, do you know imagine dragons the, the yeah yeah it's by he um put on a concert he's still a mormon right um and he put on a concert to raise awareness for the um the lgbtq oh. uh, yeah um community especially in utah and in kind utah. of the pain that they're experiencing or whatever mm-hmm. and um and he said no it wasn't him it was the lead singer of what do you what's what's the other group uh neon trees neon trees okay lovely guy and he said you know what when people meet and get to know people or somebody said it maybe john dylan he's also in there he said when they meet you they will fall in love with you and then it's game over you can have the most conservative mormon mother who is ready to throw their own child out onto the street and they meet one of you guys and it's over it's like once we meet each other and we get to know each other things it's hard to hate what you know it's hard to hate who you know i agree and so this is holly and but the thing what i'm so struck by is that people who did know me were like nope deal breaker bye and you barely knew me and were like no i liked you well enough we're hanging in here we are like like buckle up i'm here you know i'm hanging on till this whole thing ends one way or the other i don't know and i was so struck by that and i'm like it has to be because of something you know, this speaks so well of you, your family, your grandpa, whoever, like the fact that you've yeah. spoken so naively about, and then somehow I got to go exactly where I wanted. <laughs> and then stunningly <laughs> enough, I was allowed to visit my, my brother on a mission. It was amazing. I'm like, yo, Holmes, let me tell you a thing or two. <laughs> Doesn't occur to me. But yeah, you were raised in this very, very normal, you know, what struck me is that yeah. I'm very turned off by the deification of um, of presidents of the church. It's not the way it's supposed to be, even in Mormon doctrine. I no. used to get super irritated when they would, they would like make the slightest joke, even when I was all in as a Mormon, as much in as I could be, right. um, when they'd make these dumb jokes and then everybody would just kill themselves laughing. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> that wasn't even funny. Well, I think it's a tricky position. And in some ways, it takes knowing some of the leaders of the church, which is an advantage that most members really don't have when you're dealing with a global church and 16 million people. And it's I mean, it's just a harder thing. But 
these are people and they're people like all of us. And I feel like in my own church responsibilities, I'm not perfect in them. And I'm sort of constantly failing, not failing, but I, I feel as there are lots of places where I feel inadequate, but also just grateful that I'm allowed to do something like the places where I get to serve. Yeah. I'm just grateful that I mean, here's someone that I believe Jesus Christ loves perfectly and could, and he lets me be, play a small part in that person's life or that's you know, and serve you that find person. that like humbling and, and, and right. And I'm just so validating. grateful. And yeah. Yeah. And that's there's nice. No one like on that this earth that is perfect. Right. By any, no one's ever had a perfect day. And yeah. so like my grandfather was an amazing person and my grandmother was amazing. And I, I, you know, I feel incredibly blessed to have had those examples in my life, but they weren't perfect that we're yeah. all just here on earth doing the best we can. And I think that. So that gives you, you kind of that kindness towards everybody. Yeah. I think so. I think so. But if you're, if you're thinking of the prophet, the president of the church, the apostles as perfect people, I think that. Who a lot of Mormons do. I think you. And that's. They blur him in their mind almost with Jesus Christ, which is, I'm just like, you, you can't. No, because your relationship has to be rooted in Jesus Christ. Like that's the right, but they kind of see him like, look, he's like, you know, practically the next thing, and I, you know, I, it's huge hero worship for a lot of yeah. people, and I know your grandpa was super like, icked up by that himself. He wasn't a, he, he didn't, didn't like, like it. it, and it was very apparent, and I think that's why I liked him so much. He was very downplaying. He was what? What's the the phrase he always used? Adulation is poison. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it was super apparent. Mm-hmm. He was very gener- genuine in that yeah. way. He was like, I want no adulation. Right. Don't like it. I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it. And he wouldn't pander to the people in turn. Right. I would tell Holly that my I think I fell most deeply in love with him as a prophet. When he came to our school, I went to a church school, which is BYU-Idaho, and he looked at us, and, and we had just always heard this, you are the chosen generation. Everybody was the darn chosen generation. They stopped saying that because there's so many oh, of right. them. And Yes. Huh? Yes. <laughs> and he didn't no, say he did that. Not. He looked at you, got us, and he was like, hey, yo, young people, like, I don't think he used the word yo, but he was like, hey, so cool. Glad you're here. Nice, nice. You're doing all right. You're not the best at all by any means but you know you're you're all we got so <laughs> and I was like I love it it was just real you know you're not all geniuses because it's too much pressure what 18 year old wants to hear yeah you're the chosen generation either a narcissist or like somebody delusional is gonna love that no I think you've because got to hear 18 year old is nothing but a screw right. up and I think the message yeah. has to be, look, you're not perfect. You're working things out. Jesus Christ wants yeah. you here. You're just, you're no better than anybody who's outside of the right. church. Um, which, you know, because that, you see, I would just grew up so uncomfortable with this us versus them idea. And I think he was just very realistic about everybody's place in this, mm-hmm. including himself. Yep. And so it was so refreshing. Um, I really, really liked that. And I liked that he didn't put... As because as a very kind of um, hung up teenager who felt great, you know, who's a really good person, I must say, was so good and so earnest and so mm-hmm. sincere. I and such a perfectionist. I could. I was constantly tormented mm-hmm. by my inadequacies, and he didn't feed that. 
And I was like, so relieved. Yeah. So, you know, that was great. So tell us what you, you were saying a bit about, um, you know, I was saying, well, we can talk a little bit about how it was growing up in, you know, this very weird reality where so many people, you know, the church is millions strong, consider your grandpa, like unto the Pope, Mm -hmm. as close as anything to Jesus Christ, a bona fide celebrity. Uh And there you are, the granddaughter thereof, and they're picturing something, and it's not the case. And you're like, it wasn't. And you said, oh, I think it's not as great as people thought. And I'm like, well, I wasn't thinking it was great. I was thinking it was terrible. Well, I think people have. <laughs> and you're like, it wasn't that. No, it was, it was normal. I think people have these grandiose ideas that every time we were with my grandparents it was a spiritual lesson and that we would you know sit at the feet of the prophet and be taught spiritual principles and to be clear my grandparents instilled where they could great faith in us and dedication in very subtle ways mostly by example um and there were a handful of times where the family's all together for christmas and grandpa's talking about testimony and strength there are a handful of times but mostly when we're together it's grandma and grandpa on the sofa on a sunday night and we're chit-chatting about things and just normal things things. about what's going on in your life yeah and i was saying to holly i pictured it as him walking in being like hey halls ruffle your hair gotta go wish i could stay because i mean how else could it be anything else these guys are busy they're busy they're jet setting around they the are. world. i'm like that's to me that's what i think it's got to be horrible because he was your grandpa and then he's everybody's prophet and you virtually never see him anymore and as well as your grandma sure. who who was with him with him he they did yeah. they made some really great choices um in terms of structuring their travel to make Mm. sure that they connected with their family. And when my dad was growing up, um, grandma would write these wonderful letters describing the places where they were and send them home and bring souvenirs. And for the grandchildren, she would send postcards to us from all over the world. Do you still have all of them? I have a lot of them. Yeah, we all saved them in her sweet handwriting. Um, She would buy Christmas ornaments all over the world. And then at Christmas time, she'd have a grandchildren's party and we'd each get an ornament from somewhere they traveled that year um oh we gosh I was telling Holly that my um I you know I had fairly you know most Mormons tend to collect a lot of church related books and in my departure from the church it was just too difficult it was too triggering and I got rid of them all except for letters um by Marjorie Hinckley what's the actual title is it glimpses letters? glimpses into the life of Marjorie is it that one or her letters it was letters from letters her letters book yeah and it was this beautiful book and and it was just letters to her children Mm -hmm. mostly her children grandchildren Mm -hmm. or her mother and Mm -hmm. i have to say she informed her and also reading your grandpa's biography and how he was parented made some very 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 um big impacts into my own parenting Mm -hmm. These just simple little letters. She was so creative and loving in her parenting and very gave you guys a lot, gave her children a lot of autonomy. And I was very impressed she by oh, that. Oh, she's definitely the parenting voice in my head. Absolutely. And she was for my mother. Yes. My mother, who had wonderful parents of her own and grew up, 
you know, wonderfully, but um, really came to rely on my grandmother for parenting help and, um, and adopting those philosophies of giving your children autonomy. And they, when we lived, when I was young, we lived in Michigan and then Arizona. I didn't grow up in Salt Lake City. And so, and it was back in the days. Maybe that's why you're so awesome. I don't know. I, think, I honestly, I'm like outside of the fishbowl of that kind of intensity. Maybe, yeah, and maybe scrutiny. there's some of that. But she, yeah. long distance was always a right? So occasionally, there were no cell phones. It was different right. century, really. So yeah. she would call on, they would call together on Sunday nights and talk. We'd all talk to grandma and grandpa on the phone. We'd talk together. And then what I didn't know until I was a mother is that Monday morning, grandma would call back to talk to my mom and say tell me how things really are and how many kids did she have uh, my mother oh Marjorie Uh, Marjorie. she had five five. Uh okay so she would call her daughter every Monday morning and say how are you doing what the what what a woman (laughs) she was I mean, she had so much going on. She's calling her daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about my own mother who virtually never called me. I went through entire pregnancies on the other side of the world. And I'd be like, hi, mom. Have you realized that you haven't spoken to me for the last three Aww. months? I'm about to have this baby. Aww. And I'm like so impressed with. So, you know what? When you grow up with that uh, that kind of parenting model, you've got to be very careful that you don't fall into those same sure. things. Sure. And so I'm trying really hard to figure out the balance between you know now that my children are moving into a more of an adult sort of sphere sure so I need to reread her whole thing to figure it out because she struck the, the perfect balance apparently she really did but to call your daughter-in-law wow yeah, she did she did and wrote letters to her and really and was so her. kind of like accepting of her way of being right. like whatever it is that works for you that's cool oh sure oh absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's such a hard how to, and and seems so effortless for her. It did seem effortless for her. <laughs> I don't know how. So she when did you it. say she's the voice in your head as a parent, what kind of things? Like, t- give an example. Well, or is that putting you on? No, the spot? it's fine. One of her, she's a few things that come to mind. One of them is save the relationship, and save the relationship. She wanted always the relationship with her child to be the most important thing and to let nothing, no choices or situations to get in the way of that. So whatever you can do to support your child and nurture that relationship, that comes first. Even if they're doing things right differently from what you've raised them to do. Right. Or because in the Mormon church, that that's a tricky balance because there it's, it's pretty prescriptive in terms of the right path to I mean it's pretty narrow the right path to tread as far as I can mm. see in terms you know, of testimony a, and living your faith yeah there's this search you know there's it's easy to step out of an accepted moral norm within the Mormon church it's fairly narrow you know you can't you can't do certain things and still be in good standing with the church and I think Not, yeah I think her view and what and ahead. that's sorry carry carry well, on I, I carry think on. her view was this is your child and the choices that they make, I mean, however joy or heartache they may cause you, this is your child and that relationship. The relationship comes first. Right. So that's actually such an important lesson for everybody to hear. Everybody. And I wish that more Mormons would absorb this. 
Yeah. Because I think she would be heartbroken to hear people who were, and I, and I said, and I told Holly, I'm not going to put you in any kind of uncomfortable <laughs> position and I'm not going to make you defend the church. And I don't think that the church would say, uh, turn your child out, no. you know, your gay no. child. But I can imagine that if everybody parented the way uh, Marjorie modeled, right. we would have far fewer problems in society in general, including law and society. Oh, sure. Because this this complete acceptance and save the relationship is why you and I are, are still the best uh, on the best of terms. Oh, yes. Because you've obviously picked this up. You're right. When you said save the, save the relationship, I'm like, oh, and that's basically here, here we, we are. are. You've oh, just, that's true. See, you've I just summed up the catchphrase. Put that together because it wasn't even a conscious save, thing. At all costs, save the relationship because that's you know and that's I, I honestly my mom and I would still be um good if my mom mm. believed in that herself you know yeah. so wow that is yeah, such powerful that that's was... such a powerful statement I'm so glad that that's just what you said so say more okay so in terms of because you've got a young little family now. I have a young family her so one of the other things that she really talked a lot about and talked to my mother about um, who then pass on to me is don't say no if you can possibly say yes. There children need boundaries. Yes. There are times when you're going to have to say no. You can't run into the street. No, you can't subsist entirely on chocolate chip cookies. No, you. I mean, these are you know young child <laughs> yeah. examples. Right. But if you can say yes, brilliant. Say yes, brilliant. I there really are a lot of things agree. We say no to that we could say yes to. We really could, but you see, some people actually think they're being better parents. If it's more no, right, and and I see that in in general society, like these these tiger moms and and these helicopter moms, or moms on the on the playground, think that they look so good when mm-hmm. they're saying, "No, honey, we don't we don't eat this in our family, or we don't do that in our family, we don't." And you know, it's an easy trap to fall into thinking you're being a diligent parent, even if outside of of a of a kind of prescriptive religion or sort of you know. Um, yeah any of any parent nowadays the more rules the better the more kind of protective the more structured the better and I think that's contributing to a lot of anxieties in kids oh sure a lot of anxiety well I mean it's just in my little stage I'm thinking of my four-year-old who your Ada my little Ada that I love named after my grandpa Hinkley's mom Ada she is a precious and my sister Ada adorable Oh, so, your sister's Ada my too. Sister's oh, Ada. I know. She can't wear her bathing suit to preschool in January. But if she wants to wear tights that are too big or and a shirt that doesn't match her skirt. And look like a total <laughs> just Right, like I can say yes to that. Freak sh- a freak show. <laughs> like go Ada, go like, you. And that takes a lot because right? she yeah, it's like you want your little girl to look cute, man. Because <laughs> she has so many cute clothes to wear. Right. I know. And I have really kind of, with my pack of four, I was not in as nearly as healthy place. And you might be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's scary because <laughs> you're so unhealthy now. <laughs> but I was. <laughs> And I put a lot on them. And I remember my Benjamin, my eldest, saying, Mommy, you care a lot about how things look. Oh, interesting. And I was like, yup, I do, Ben. 
and uh-huh. really having to step back and me thinking that was a good mom. Uh-huh. Interesting. And now realizing that's the antithesis of a good mom. <laughs> so, yeah, just say yes as much as you can. Because you can. basically that's allowing, yeah, this autonomy of which we spoke uh-huh. as well. Like, let the girl express herself. Let her wear her baggy stockings and look like a crazy little peepee long stocking. Right. If she must, and she'll figure out soon enough that that's not going to get her the kind of attention she necessarily wants, or she won't even care. And, and that's, that's even fine better. Too. That's right. even better, right? So, right. yeah, one way or the other, this equalizes and your kid becomes who they're supposed to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The other voice that's in my head recently now with my school-age kids is mm-hmm. – um, the story from my uncle Richard's childhood that she's taught, she's spoken about it publicly mm. and she's written about it. But um, one day in his elementary school years, he didn't come home from school and the kid hmm. said, Oh, he's at detention. Like he did something in class. I don't know what it was, but he was held hmm. for detention for school. And she went marching up to the school and walked in the classroom and said, you get him until three o'clock. And after that, he's mine. We're going home. Whoa, I love that story. It was so badass. I think it really actually made me a little bit who I am as a mother. (laughs) Oh, you know that story. Yes. Yes. I love that story. Don't you mess with my little kids because the school does not own them. Right. And And people tend to get fuzzy about that. Yeah. (laughs) Being an advocate for your child, I feel like. so important. so important. And I feel like that my training as a lawyer Mm. helps me see that a little bit. I mean, that has definitely helped because my instinct is to advocate. Yes. Um, But that example has been really helpful for me as I, first of all, in the message that I'm giving my children that I miss them when they're gone at school, even though I I love the quiet hours, I'm just relishing in the quiet of my house right now. But my children need to know that That you're thrilled when they come home. Right. That my favorite moment of the day is when they walk in the door. Even And my mom was actually really good at that too. She loved the holidays. She loved school holidays. I never got the impression that she was like, go back to school. Like she was happy when her kids were around. She liked it. And that makes me, you know, I give her props and I felt the same way about my kids. I am so sad when I must say as summer approaches and I'm really into my groove, I'm like, I'm not going to survive this. Oh, I feel that way too. When they're back. But then we get into that groove and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Long may it never end. Right. You know? And so, yes, that, but her doing that as such a reasonable and not lunatic woman, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of just being like, nope, you don't own my kids. You do not own my kids. And I have really, um, in recent, very, very recent years, I've become more involved with the schools and being like, nope, 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 you guys need to step it up. Um, Mm -hmm. But I kind of was hands off until I felt like, no, you're encroaching on my children's, my family time with my kids. I I was always very resentful of that. And that'll become more and more of an issue for you as sports arise as well. Yep. Well, and just teacher personalities. I had my oldest Eleanor, who's 12, had a teacher last year who I felt like was doing, had some classroom policies that were incredibly destructive. And Mm. she was doing, she was running a really strict classroom, unreasonably strict for fifth grade. And I felt like she was doing some real emotional damage to her students. And um, 
when I figured out what some of the policies were, I scheduled a meeting with her and I just told her pretty firmly, this is not okay. And this has to change. This is what you were doing. This is the effect of it. This is how it's playing out at home. And it's not okay. And did the whole thing pan out okay? It, there were some, I had to pick and choose eventually. Like, you know, I had this whole list of things and then I sort of picked what my top two or three were and I had to really go after those. And she didn't do it on her own. She sort of was, I got the impression her feeling was, okay, thanks, parent, but now it's my classroom and I do what I want sort of thing. Yeah, And yeah. so I got the principal involved and met with him privately. And then, and that's not an easy thing to do. No, um, I, as a parent, I, as a parent, but it's necessary. Like you have got to advocate. And I've been in that position way too many times lately and I don't relish it. And people actually think I do. And I honestly don't. I'm like, you know, I, I feel like being a school administrator and a teacher are incredibly hard and thankless tasks. And I would like to be as supportive as possible and as non-problematic as possible. But there are times that we must step in. And I know that then I look like that parent. And the fact yeah. remains is, who cares? <laughs> right, you know because I mean? when if there's an issue, you've got to advocate for your child. I, right. And I've had to do that recently on several different levels. And it's been deeply uncomfortable and unhappy and I've made no friends only enemies in the end of the day we got the work done right and I've had to give fellow parents the same pep talk because they're like well what if the administrators don't like us after this and I'm like you know what who cares who cares who cares I don't need the like of these people I need them to do their jobs properly and I need my kids to be protected from these harmful influences that's my job what's yours and I really like that you put in a plug for that because you are very very sane and measured and you know um, I think there's a time and a place for a parent to kind of step back and take a breath and be like I cannot control every little outcome and my kid also needs to learn to advocate in for themselves on in in an appropriate way on every level like um, but in in elementary school that is So there's, they have such limited resources to be able to do that. And my 11 year old fifth grader is not going to say to her teacher, "Oh, this classroom policy makes me feel diminished. Right. Because they don't even get it. They're just like, I know I feel bad when I'm there. Right. Um, Right. And, 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 you know, listening to your child as well, like Ella, I was just saying on Facebook is is suddenly crying now about state testing. And this is the most easygoing chill kid I, I know. And so when she is expressing to me, this is making me highly stressed, then we opt out. And, you know, I had a conversation with her, like, you're not going to opt out of every test, but I don't think it's appropriate that you should have to worry about a scantron and coloring it incorrectly and not being able to talk to your teacher and sitting for hours at a time when you're seven. So that's the difference between that and this. This is not important enough for you to have to lose any sleep over. And I'm glad you spoke to me about it. But so, yeah, I love that you brought that up because I think advocating for your child, especially with the fact that educational systems are severely jacked up right now, is going to become more and more the responsibility of the parent without being a helicopter parent because I'm also in, um, and also being age appropriate about it because I'm also very close to the um, university uh, president's office Mm, uh and you know people in that office and I see the dysfunction that is with these parents who will not let their kids grow up 
and who right. are now calling the actual office of the president or calling the secretary in the office of the president um, of every little thing. And I see on Facebook them saying, I'm going to call the office of the president. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why, though? That, why? that kid's 19. Yeah. Like they, this is this is I was married when I was 19. My, my family lived across the planet. They didn't interfere right. in my daily day to day. Like, what's going on here? People know. Please don't call the office of the president. I'm like, one, I'm reading this on Facebook with my like jaw dropping going, <laughs> are you seriously? Like, I know the president. And I know how busy he seems. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's right. super professional. He's not going to comment on the thing one way or the other. Like, I had a call from somebody. But I'm thinking, I don't think he's there a lot even. He's right. doing his job. Like, why right. would he want to talk about your kid's homework? No. Yeah, no, that's not his job. So, you know, this balance is very difficult. So, yeah, good, good one to bring up. Give me yeah. something else. What else? Because um, she, she was a freaking guru. That she was amazing. Lady. She was amazing. So the other thing that she was really great at is providing her kids with unstructured and unsupervised time. Yes. And that is something that increasingly. Oh, so important. We, and there's some, some times you live in a place where you can't do that you can't send your kid outside to roam the streets for four hours and that's no not and everyone has that luxury. we've been so fortunate here i have to keep reminding myself oh, when i whine yeah. about ohio i must that you can just let your kids go i mean i, I, I let, let my kids go so much yeah yeah i do i, I know let them get on a bike and roam the neighborhood that is the and... trade-off for the permanent gray isn't it that our it kids is. Our kids live in a gray, a steel gray location where they are free to roam. <laughs> free to roam. <laughs> For nine well, months in a steel gray and they are free to roam. And it all took 12 me, of them. even when we were in our previous home, we were sort of on a busier street and yeah. they were a lot younger. And so if they were outside in the front yard facing the street, I felt like I needed to be closer in range. Yes, so they couldn't roam quite course. as freely, but now right. we're on a cul-de-sac and they're a little bit older and we're on their bikes. Says, yeah, they're on yeah. the bikes. She's like, I need to take a bike ride. Great. Go. She has no phone. Yeah. She doesn't have a watch on, you know, she just is roaming and it's great. Really? And grandma was really good at that. And there was um, what they called the hollow, just a little creek that ran behind a lot of the homes in the neighborhood. And I remember as a child playing in the hollow and for hours. And getting muddy and making up stories and acting, you know, dramatic play. And and she had such a sense of, tr like, implicit trust in the yes. world in general and in her kids. And in her kids. That and they could just, because that creative play is almost extinct now. I know. It's or almost it's like, extinct. Here, we it's have so 15 managed. minutes in class for creative play. Go. That, you know, it's not. It, it's what makes you who you are. I remember being with my brother in the Wendy house and roaming around. And then he... Um, and my youngest siblings, Seth and, and Thalia and Luke, roaming around Swaziland doing crazy wow. things. Like they had a magical childhood. Oh, yes. Roaming. Yeah. I love Swaziland. Can I just say that? Oh, my what gosh. A magical place. Swaziland is the best. I fantasize about being there all the time. Swaziland was the best. I want to go and live there. It was <laughs> Great. And my Great. brother, it was part of the Durban mission when my brother was serving. Oh, so yeah. I had gone up. Your parents had taken us for a weekend in Swaziland when I was there. And oh, then fabulous. subsequently, my brother was assigned to serve there. And so it was fun for me to say, oh, you're going to love these friends at church and these friends. And you should do 
climb this mountain and did he know the morsels by the way now we're playing the mormon game yeah is it joey and emile yes yep. yeah yep. Mm-hmm. yeah and aaron well. lived with joey and emile when he oh, was really? a missionary yes Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, we we all have very fond memories of my kids. Oh, my kids, we were talking about Swaziland. They're like, all I remember from Swaziland when we visited was uh, mosquito bites. And Gabe, Gracie dropped a plate. <laughs> like that's awful. We've got to go back because Swaziland is quite a bit more than that. It's more than that. It was magic. Oh, it was magic. Yeah. So, so cool. So the roaming, the free range parenting. The free range now they've parenting. called. What used to be just parenting like a normal human, free range parenting. So advocate for your kid, but mm-hmm. like create opportunities as, as much as you are, as much as possible, free range parenting. Because kids are resourceful and also mm-hmm. a lot safer than uh, the, the media would lead us to believe. Kidnappings right. are down dramatically right. over the last 30 years. Um, also, you know, I don't know. We live in an area where there's a lot of... Um, fear about uh, sex trafficking yep but i'm like in bowling green i'm not sure itself like maybe toledo maybe we're thinking about toledo or what have you but like it's probably okay you know for my kids to cross the street and hang out in the park between my house and and their best friend's house you know yeah like i'm not gonna let them roam the highway right they're not gonna like hitchhike to target right Right. But in our neighborhood, I feel like go and do ride your bike all over, go visit whoever you want to. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Yay. I'm I'm so glad you put in a plug for that. And you seem to be, you know, you seem to have just been really well adjusted in terms of growing up in the church. And you, um, also married a guy who was a convert, which I thought Mm -hmm. was fascinating Mm -hmm. because people would tend to think, look, you know, you've grown up Mormon royalty um and they kind of make sure that every one of you guys will marry uh a an investment banker who was born into a family of, of seven um children sixth generation ones who all are blonde and there's an osmond in there for sure must be an osmond i mean there's enough of them that there's enough to go around Certainly, you should have. Okay, I'm about to put my 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 foot severely in my mouth because, for all I know, one of your sisters or your brothers married to an Osmond. No, no. Okay, we're not. what? No, we're not fancy. No, so nothing like this happened. Okay, no. But anyway, Holly herself married quite like you were. Like, how old were you when you got married? Not I, eighteen. No, I was 28. I was two months away from being 29. Dang girl, right? I was an old you broke, maid. You were an old maid. Were you like stressing? Was it? Was you? Were you? Was your grandfather? Had he brought you into the church office and said, "Now Holly"? <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, not even now, a little. Holly. You are bringing dishonor upon the, the family. Not even a little. You are a menace to society, Holly. Oh man, he. This is the thing. He never once put any pressure on us whatsoever. And I actually. Uh, therapist BYU briefly because law school is very stressful and at some point my brain wasn't working and I was anxious all the time and I couldn't sleep law school sounds awful even though I've wanted to be a lawyer it was, I've been told until I sort of don't. figured out it's oh the dogs just just entered so if you bark okay. everybody breaks I had to figure okay. out that I yeah. didn't need to be first in the class I and if I was in the bottom half of the class that was fine and that I need to do my best and yeah. that I ultimately like, had to just take care of my brain so 
And you didn't think like, and even, the, and I was going to say, yeah, because you were privileged enough to be a hinky and everything was going to turn out, but you didn't even have that. No, you didn't even think so. <laughs> no, I, that never occurred to me. And I was yeah. in, I had gone to BYU counseling for some therapy, which I thought was a really smart decision. I'd had a great therapist in New York that had helped me through a really tough year teaching um, in inner city Manhattan. Um, Whoa. Which was Whoa. Yeah. Crazy. That's a boy. That's a baptism of fire. Yeah, yeah sure. that's a podcast for another day. Um, yeah. So I was comfortable seeking out therapy, which was great. So I got into this therapist, and he was fine. He was great. I didn't. He wasn't as great as my New York therapist, but it was it was helpful just to talk through some things. And one day, as we we're kind of talking through this anxiety, he said, "I had, we had never talked about my last name. I was married at this point, so he really. I mean, I guess it was on my." he must have known my maiden name was on my school record or something, but we never talked about it. Um, and he said, you're president Hinckley's granddaughter, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And it was the first time that I just thought, Oh, he's approaching this conversation differently than I'm approaching this conversation. And he said that that must cause a lot of stress in your life to be a certain way or, you know, do certain things. Conform to the moment. And I was like, Whatever that is. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, is that why you think I'm here? No. No. Like, we are not. This is. Well, no. he saw that you were, like, in your late 20s and you weren't doing all the typical Mormon right, things. That's true. So, I, I mean, that, that, that's, an, that's a fair enough assumption. I guess. But it was such a foreign assumption to me because it was so far from yeah. reality that I just thought, okay, this isn't a helpful relationship. because Yeah. You're not understanding. Yeah, you've got an idea yeah. of what I am now. Well, so that was, pro- so was that the kind of first time that it got weird for you? Like being, you got that far in life? Because how old were you when, when your, your grandpa, well, I suppose if he was an apostle he was. time, you were always high profile. He was, he was always in the first presidency in, in my memory, in my oh, memory. Whoa. Um, okay. That's a lot. a lot. And, but you know, nothing else. Right. So. I mean, I had one. As a child, one of my grandpas talked on TV a few times a year, and the other one owned a furniture store. That's it. That's just that what they do. It. And you didn't think, yeah. And, but were people, and because you weren't growing up in Utah, honestly, Holly, I have to say that this had to have made a difference because I think it would have been a whole different kettle of fish if you had. Maybe, but my cousins are the same way. Oh, they also they and did grow most up in of Utah. Them grew up in Utah, and. Oh, and they didn't, th- they weren't faced no. by it or thought anything of it? No. Or... Didn't people say to them all the time, well, because you're a hinky? Oh, sure. Nothing oh, like sure. that? And people said oh, it to okay. me at church all yeah. the time. Oh, sure. There was. And did they grill you and be like, so what do you, what does everybody think that you're still single or anything like that? Did they bring it up um, or was it not well, a thing? Well, until I was 27, I mean, so after my mission, I moved to New York City for graduate school, and then I stayed to work to teach before going to law school. And in the New York City singles world, even in the in the church, I wasn't old. So, yeah. So I wasn't feeling yeah. that pressure in my day to day life. So yeah. So you were kind of in a different yeah. Like in South Africa, it's not. It wouldn't have been a deal at all. Right. Because, you know, people are cl- a lot closer to 30 than 20 there, even in the church when they get married, just because society is set, set up differently. You can't just live off student right. loans and get married as, as an infant there. 
So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. despite people sort of having those conversations with us or expectations, we never felt them from grandma and grandpa. We never felt them from our parents. Our parents didn't feel it from their parents. And so I feel like because it wasn't a part of the family culture, it just kind of rolled off when it came at us publicly. Does that make sense? It just, it does. It just yeah. wasn't, it just wasn't there as part of the family culture. Well, that's, I think, probably why you just sort of like were very casual about it because it, nobody sat you down and said, now, as such, you are a Hinkley. And as such, yeah, no. um, you have to, so you never felt like we are held to a higher no. standard. Everybody's going to be looking at us. You know, I gave my kids pressure just because my parents put pressure on us. Um, you know, people are looking at us. We've got, we've got a kind of responsibility to get it, to keep it together. Um, you know, the Randall, we close ranks, we don't show, you know, mm. that was expression that was used. We don't, we don't air our dirty laundry and look, look at her now. Oh man. <laughs> I really did recover from that program. <laughs> it, uh, there was a bit of a backlash, I'd say, but I think that was necessary. So I just thought that's how you raise a, a, a functional family. So when my kids were young, I'd be like, no, that was embarrassing to the family and you guys fighting in public is unacceptable. And, you know, we don't, that, that brings dishonor upon the family, which is so dysfunctional yeah, because it's like, yeah. no, the family is what it is in public, in private. We just are. And my kids are super loyal to each other and kind to each other. They don't tend to fight even at home. Um, but if there was any semblance of uh, disregard for each other or anything, it was super, super frowned upon. And I think that's very unhealthy. And, and I'm glad that yeah, that, that didn't, didn't, because I pictured like you were like, look, do the right stuff because everybody's going to be watching for the Hinkleys to screw oh, up. No, I mean, the message was, and you never got make that, good choices that, that because you want to, it's because you want to be happy. Yeah. 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 Well, that's healthy. And so clearly you weren't raised by a narcissist no. as I was, which is great, <laughs> which I'm so happy for you. Genuinely, though, because it's very damaging. Oh. And you do pass that on to your kids. You I know? hope so. Um, I not, don't know. not to make this about me, but so many people, so many people experience that, not just me. Very, you know, a lot of Mormon families, especially if they grow up in what we call the mission, sure. where there isn't a lot of Mormonism uh, represented, uh, there's a lot of pressure to to look like you've got it all together and this is how Mormons do you know and um, obviously I understood that we we obey the commandments because of our own exaltation but it, there was also that added pressure oh. like you are always a missionary yeah you are always representative of the church and so my first thought was wow Holly's really like got her her grandpa's um pr back to our our own story oh, you and sure. me. holly has flipping like really like grabbed onto that like brilliant um diplomat um because he was very very he diplomatic was, yes. and that pr stuff and she is like fully repping very very well i hope all the other mormons are watching <laughs> and really you know, like, this is how you got to be. You guys would go a long way if you would just hang with me and be like, and I do have a couple of friends who, who are just genuinely still like you. They just love me for me regardless. <laughs> Whatever. No problem. But they're so few and far. Oh, and yeah. And I just thought, well, Holly's really repping the church nicely because it can't be about me. But, but it, it was about behold, you. It was. Yeah, about you. That's beautiful. <laughs> 
I wasn't trying to. And so anything. I think that accept that <laughs> just trying to still be your friend. Ex- that modeling of that acceptance was something else that I really got. One thing I learned from Marjorie that I thought was so creative and so lovely to correct your kid. Mm-hmm. You and I've brought this up in previous podcasts because I think it's the best way to tell your kid that you love and adore them, but not their behavior yes. when they're yes. young. And it, I used to say to my kid, you're be acting, uh, where's your Joe from the mountains? Like what's Joe here? <laughs> yes, she did. I had forgotten that, but you reminded me. That's one of the things. Did she call it Joe from something, the mountains? It was something because like that. We yeah. called, we, Ben was Joe from the mountains. When Ben wasn't conforming, I would be like, and, and and that's a horrible word to use but honestly it was conforming and it's awful but if if ben wasn't acting like his adorable sweet lovely self who is what he is ben is a lovely person i would be like but joe why why joe where's ben bring back ben i love ben so much and i'd make a big deal and then i'd pretend to jokingly cry oh oh, where's my ben where's my benny baby (laughs) and then he would laugh he would you know just bite himself and it was a really good way of diffusing yes and not being like this you know not mixing up character with 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 behavior behavior. yeah yeah i do that i mean creativity was brilliant hear one of my children say oh i'm just so messy or I'm not good at this. And I have to say, no, 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 uh-uh. We don't talk about ourselves that way. You. Wow. Made, yes. You made this mess. You're not messy. Yes. Wow. That's brilliant. Right? Like it just, you sort of separate. You can't define yourself by these negative terms. Could you please be my mom? Because <laughs> I have to go to therapy a lot because I tell myself all the stuff. <laughs> and now I'm like, I finally reached the point of therapy like this week. I'm like, I think therapist that it's time that I start like thinking I'm not such a piece of crap anymore. How about it? And she's like, okay, well, how about your homework is all the ways in which you think you're a piece of crap. And I'm like, okay, I'll come back with it. But honestly, that is not that, you know, I'm not blaming everything on parents because I'm not 42. I could have redirected this stuff by now, but yes, that's brilliant. And I really am going to need to reframe the way I talk to my kids about anything because I think I've told Finney that he's a slob and uh that's bad <laughs> that's terrible yeah no like yeah and he's not at all he's not oh I have a but yeah I just thought that I just thought that was harmless like you know fondly ah oh, Finney my little slob oh there's your there's your calling card of a chip on the on the kitchen counter um you know I'll miss it when you're gone my little slob and I'm terrible <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I have that. a son yes. whose room is a disaster constantly. Like I can't walk through it. I'm stepping on toys. Oh yeah, There's, that's that. That's, you know, the bathroom is piles of dirty clothes. And yeah, I say I'm just yeah. really messy. I was like, no, no, no. Your room is messy. You're not a messy person. We. That's so you can good, be Holly. different from this. This is a different. Yes, yeah. because you do start to accept it, and then it's this whole trap. Right. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Say about ourselves we don't talk to ourselves that way that's why I say we don't talk to ourselves well that way. I could have maybe I just I'm just gonna stop therapy and we're gonna have a conversation <laughs> you're like nope I'm not <laughs> no definitely keep going to that's therapy su- that's such good parenting good on you girl so do you think do you attribute to that to your own parenting oh, sure. would, they, would they would they be very specific like that with you um yeah no my parents were good about that my parents were really good about that about yeah, validating and just us say as you're people. not yeah 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not messy. You do, you know, or you're not. Right. Yeah. Not you're naughty. Like you've made a bad decision. You're not a naughty child. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, they were, they were deliberate about that. And you think they got that also from there. Oh, yeah. I love that your mother, that your mother took on her mother-in-law's parenting techniques because that, whoa, is there any more complicated relationship than a daughter-in-law and her mom? And you, you know, something that you said was lovely that you, that you married into an, um, a Mm non-Mormon family. Your husband is Mm -hmm. a convert. Yep. And you just adore his family. You made it, you know, you were like, well, they're completely different. Mm -hmm. They could not be more different from my family. And it's the best. It's so fun and wonderful. Where, whereas I know that, but that could have proven to be this huge conflict for you. This could have been so hard because when, when family kind of, what do you call it? uh, The stories don't Mm -hmm. match. It can, it can really be the, it can really be difficult. Sure. So what's your, what's, what was your thinking around that? What was your decision? Cause I think I got the impression that you were pretty deliberate about your decision. I was, that was a very deliberate decision. So I, I think had grown up anticipating that I would marry someone who had grown up a member of the church and sort of a similar was an family awesome. background, yeah. which is, I mean, right. I'm looking at all my siblings and we married into very different types of families. So it doesn't just because a family has grown up religiously observing the same religion as you does not mean that the family culture, of right? Of course. But, My family culture, Aaron and Aaron's family culture could not have been. Right. So just because you share a faith yeah. doesn't mean that you share a family culture. Absolutely. But you don't understand yeah. that when you're single. So, um, oh. so I had assumed that. So then I fell in love with this boy who had um, found the church in high school and um, become very, very faithful um, his parents were not super thrilled about his choice to become a member of the church. And um, one, did they have any idea what level of involvement your family was in? Um, did they, they did. By the time he and I were okay. engaged, they did. But they were um, like, "Oh, whoa!" Yeah, yeah, and they kind of got a kick out of that. Um, oh, they liked it. They weren't like particularly concerned no, about no, no. that. I like, think it actually went oh, okay. a long way. It was. It was it actually went a long way to normalizing my husband's choice. Does that make sense? Because I think they had this sense of like Mormons are weird. weird. Oh, it's they're this weird cult. And then it's like, no, 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 her own grandpa. Right. And right. Like these are and just he's a people cool dude. So if yeah. he's okay, then they're yeah. okay. Okay. Um, so yeah. he was that my husband was baptized the day after he turned 18 because his parents um, wouldn't let him before that, which I think looking they, it was very yeah. hard for him. But looking back, I think a perfectly reasonable that was a responsible parenting choice. decision. Yeah, yeah. I think to just so ask too. your child to wait until they're a little bit more mature to make this. I mean, it's yeah. I understand that, much especially more now. for such an all-encompassing thing. right. Yes, right. Yes, it's not like he was just going to youth group. Right. The, no, this you know, was an all-in, and they had a sense. Yeah, all-in kind of a situation, and I, they feared that it would take him away from them. And he was very deliberate about making sure that that didn't happen. That they felt secure. Right. Um, So I had never met them before we got engaged because they had no reason to travel to Utah. And um, I had no reason to travel to Ohio. Like we just didn't, it hadn't happened. And yeah. it was the end of our first year of law school. And he came to Cincinnati to work. It's where his job was. I went to South Africa. And then 
um, back to Provo, Utah, and then flew out to Cincinnati, essentially to get engaged, um, but to meet okay. his family. And um, he didn't want the pressure of, I'm bringing this girl in and we're getting married. Um, so you better yeah. love her. He just said, I'm going to, Holly's going to come out and visit for a few days. Like my girlfriend's coming to town and I want to show her. I want okay. you to meet her. Um, yeah. And you make a good first impression. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. Just you do. The best I can. You do. I can speak to it. Yeah. So I came out and he said, they don't know that we're getting married. And I was like, okay, so now I'll just try and act like. I'm sort of in love with you, but not really, right? Like, we're still sort of working this out. Meanwhile, families that he had was very close to at church knew all about it and knew that we were ring shopping and that this was going to happen. And um, so Uh-oh. they were, which was actually really great because then I had um, a couple of other women that I could rely on to sort of. Okay. If, yeah. Because that that's a stressful situation. It, it was a little bit stressful. If you if you don't have somebody to talk, you know, download all those. Right. So they could say to me, "Okay, how are you feeling about meeting your in-laws? Like this is. Yeah. They had had kids who'd gotten married. And so they could sort of coach me through this thing. So Rob's mom, because mothers are very intuitive, kind of picked up on this is happening. There's something going down. Like there's an engagement coming. And Rob's sister kind of picked up on that. Rob's dad was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, as dads would, dads be. would be. But um, typically, yeah. But we, yeah. you know, told them after a couple of days we we're getting married and they were very excited and they were, they understood enough at that point that um, we were going to want a ceremony in a temple. And that <gasps> they, oh, wait, I didn't right, even think of that. Part. That they wouldn't be there. Holy smokes. Ouch. It's a really difficult thing. And they that is painful how many kids in his three. family he's Was the he oldest, the oldest? Uh-huh. <gasps> um, they were nothing but kind and loving and welcoming they never said anything. so did you do it like an outside temple thing as well we did a little like we exchanged our rings at a wedding luncheon after our sealing ceremony and Rob didn't want to do a full ring ceremony, but we had his dad say a few words and my dad and my grandfather's and he and I said, you know, some things and we exchanged our rings and that was So where it. did you end up getting married? We got married in the Salt Lake Temple. So they okay. flew out to Salt Lake for and yeah. stood outside the temple and walked around Temple oh, yeah, Square yeah. and said that they had a lovely time. They paid for a wedding luncheon for us afterward and... It was, they were, you know, gave us huge hugs and joyful tears. They were so kind and welcoming. And damn, um, that's really like, that's next right? level, man. They're amazing. Um, even yeah. though I knew that there had been some heartache in Rob's decision to convert. They didn't convey They it. did not, con- they never have conveyed it to me. They decided to save the relationship. Right. right. And so I decided that's impressive. I am going to be in this family. We're going to live in Ohio. At that point, it was sort of becoming Rob already had a job offer in Cincinnati and I had been in South Africa in a, it was not obviously a recruiting position. So I was job interviewing. And so then it was, are we interviewing in a place where Rob already has a job or are we both trying to get jobs in the same city? That's not. So it made sense to be in Cincinnati and it made sense because 
I knew that I wanted a relationship with his family and that was going to happen much more easily if we lived in their town. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Because they don't. Yeah. Because if travel. he's got, you've, yeah, there's the, oh, really? Okay. So there's the faith, there's the faith part that if you had moved away would have quite easily eclipsed in their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's married this Mormon girl and now we never see him right. as well as everything. So, yeah, that was a really, like, clever choice on everybody's part, I think. Yeah. And that's very responsible of you because I would, uh, to be honest, I didn't give my f- my husband's family much thought in terms of my long-term plans. And it turned out that both his parents died. Oh. Um, very young um and so you know and it wouldn't have worked out anyway we have to go where the job goes but that's not something that was not something in my you know decision making paradigm because I was so unaccustomed at that point to kind of think well I was so young right you know thinking these thoughts I was far away from my family so it was just him and I right you know that's how you thought thought. yeah so but but to give your children uh grandparents close by is a lovely gift I think yeah. for the most part oh sure if they're functional humans right. yeah. yeah so that's great so but then so there was that but then there was this okay now I'm here but I don't want to just exist next to them I want to love them hmm. and and they 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 just see the world very and differently see the and world didn't grow up in the yeah. church have different standards yep. yep completely so how did you navigate that um just decided I to. just decided to and and you know made it a habit were there any boundaries did you ha- did you ever say listen you guys like I don't like it when you swear or was that just like nope I'm not even going uh, there I didn't go there I'll just accept I didn't go it there. and and they do curtail things I mean they you know I know that there are conversations that happen when we're not around right that don't happen in our presence oh because of you I think so yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, just out of respect for I you. And so. Yeah, but it's very unspoken. Yeah. It's very, okay. you know, and I and I don't jump all over, you know, if someone... No, you're not uppity. No, so if, like, like, if they I, swear I, and I'm, I'm there. I'm in front of you and I don't get a weird vibe. Like, I, I don't feel like you're like, oh, yeah, please bring on the more of the swearing. But you're not like... Oh, right, but I'm not going to let that shut down a conversation. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, they don't, when they come over, they don't drink in our home. They don't drink alcohol in our home. Um, But when you go to their house for Christmas, will they drink? Yes. Like, yes. And it's, and you don't get upset or stressed about their house seeing that. Yeah. I had to get over that. Yes. Initially. So your kids seeing it, because now it's so normal to me in just a couple of years, you know, to have alcohol in the house and drink in front of the children, which I, I rarely do just because it's it doesn't uh you know for health reasons but you know it's just not a thing but growing up now that I think about it that must have been very foreign to you to see that and then and then there's examples in front of them of grandparents that they respect and love drinking in front of them and that must be hard for you to wrap your mind around uh yeah I had to get over that I had to recognize that this was a normal part of their life it is a normal part of most people's life and it doesn't mean anything yeah, and that I can say to my children, them. yeah, grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles do this. We don't do this. We mm. love them dearly. It's yeah, and that. Doesn't... But just because they do doesn't mean that they're no, and our love for them doesn't go up or down. 
based on yeah. whatever you know drinking is happening or not happening right like our love for them so just... when you so out of curiosity because i think you're so well adjusted and i'd like to see how a well-adjusted mormon would teach their child about alcohol um what would you you don't say to them drinking is bad do you um i say or do you no. how 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 would you frame how that with frame a younger that? kid um how do I frame that? Because they're just, they were just on the cusp of those conversations. Right. And I'm just like, I know the damage that it has caused my kid, at least one of yeah. them, to be fixated on the badness thereof, of various things. And then to be confronted with it happening amongst normal people that they love, you know, their peers and stuff. And, and it's been very, very, very difficult for that for some personality types for others it's totally not a deal yeah but for some personality types to kind of like be able to gauge that this is the like you say a normal part of and it's not deviant behavior right um so i'm like wondering and because i can't see you getting all extreme about anything no i and i, I was wondering that, how you approach I that think we, i mean we talk about um how the dangers. the dangers. We talk about the dangers that this can impair your driving and your ability to yes. act responsibly and and can be and can be addictive. And can be addictive. There's a risk. Right. There's a risk involved in all of these things. Right. And yeah. then I also talk about yeah. this is something that we feel like Heavenly Father has asked us to abstain from. And right. um, there are lots of reasons for that. Some that we know, some that we don't know, and some this is a sacrifice that we make for our faith. And I have a really close friend who is Jewish and keeps kosher. And okay. So you've explained like, it's like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, our friends, this family doesn't eat pork and they don't have meat and dairy on the same plates or in uh, with the same forks. And that's a manifestation. Of and their that's faith. their way of showing kind of respect to their God. Right. And this is w- in one well. of the ways in which we do that. So, yeah, yeah. and they've never asked if they could bring alcohol into our house. They've never, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine that, you know, any sensitive person would. In fact, when we were Mormons and we would kind of have these, you know, everybody would, would, would maybe, you know, in a neighborhood host a thing. And we agonized about, you know, well, we can't host because we lived in Napa Valley Mm. and everybody was very much into wine. And eventually, you know, we agonized back and forth and it was like, it feels wrong that we can't host our lovely, lovely, you know, and maybe if it's like, we don't, we won't provide the wine, but you can bring it and drink it in these certain sectors of the house. And they were all like, absolutely not. No, we would never dream of it. Right. They were way less respectful. Yes. They were way less. They were like, we don't mind a bit that we don't come to your house. We we understand it completely and we don't want to have to make have you guys make difficult choices so nope 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 and that was lovely that was lovely i mean i i I do wish that we you know could have found a way to entertain more right it it, i do think you know most people who are mature in things don't feel comfortable violating other people's religious boundaries which Which is is great Yeah. yeah i mean it does mean there are fewer family dinners that happen at our house than there are that happen at there yeah yeah, yeah. Thing that I am long over, and also it's up to me to invite them over, right? To say yes. we want to have it at our house and to insist on that, and they're perfectly happy, thrilled to come. Yeah. So yeah. my mother-in-law, um, uh, this just this past Sunday, we had my Ada had the stomach flu, 
And it was a Sunday. Rob is the bishop of our congregation. He was conducting and had lots of meetings. I was teaching a Sunday school class. Mm. And Ellie, my oldest, was teaching a primary class. And it was just a day when nobody could stay home with a sick child. Yeah. And And so we called my mother-in-law and she came over. That's when it's super handy. (laughs) You're like, hey, heathen, can you come over and watch my kid? (laughs) So she arrived at 830 in the morning on a Sunday morning when she could have still be in in bed. And she arrived with an entire pot of coffee for herself. And you're like, drink up, lady, you'll need it. I was like, here's a mug. Thank you very much. I'll see you in like three and a half hours. Well, that seems like I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. She's delightful. When I first started drinking coffee, I couldn't even drink it in my own house. I used to go and drive to McDonald's, get coffee, which is very bad coffee, by the way, to McDonald's. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like a 37 year old woman at this point. (laughs) Then drive home with open windows to air up my van. Oh, that's so so funny. See why the kids were like, like. And then, why do I smell coffee one day? Why do I smell coffee? You know, so, yeah. You know, I'm really glad that you've got that sort of healthier balance going on. That's good. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I mean, I'm just so appreciative that she would come over. And And she'd feel comfortable bringing her coffee and that you coexisted by saying, here's the mug. Enjoy. Right. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that now we've been married for 15 years and just I love them. I'm so grateful for them. Um, and there would be some moments who would be like, I feel weird about making somebody else, even if they're not a Mormon, not be at church on a Sunday. Well, they're not going to be on ch- church anyway. Church. And yet I feel weird. Like there's such weird little hangups that can happen um, within very, you know, this kind of scrupulosity. Yeah. So I'm really, you know, it's impressive to see. It's impressive to see and it's comforting to see. I'm glad that we've got kind of this this insight into the well-adjusted <laughs> life of the granddaughter of a prophet. Oh, well. And Holly, honestly, who would have thunk that somebody who has been so, look, you know, a lot of the following that I gained over the years was from Mormons who were super impressed with what a good little, like a nice shiny picture I put on the Mormon church. Because I did. Like those those matching Christmas card like things. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry, but I brought it. Okay, I did. <laughs> I looked the part. We played the part, and I did some good PR for the church. And um, and I suppose if you're impressed in the church uh, with the church on that shallow level, then you're going to be equally um, equally shallow in terms of when a person deviates mm, from it. Interesting. And that's the that's what I'm just kind of putting together oh, right now as we're talking. That's what we're talking. If you liked me on the strength of me being such a like a such a good little Molly, yeah. then you're not gonna like me and, and and you don't love me for me, which is just a ton of different layers on any uh, in any given day. And today I don't hate the Mormons. And tomorrow, sorry to say, it might come up, right. you know, just as to where I'm at. So, you know, the fact that you kind of ha- do love people all the way through and are so well adjusted it has been a part in my healing and i think will ultimately make truly it has um and i think because you sort of knew my family as well and you still love and accept me when when i was feeling abandoned by Mm -hmm. them um has also been a part of my healing and for which i am so grateful and the pain the pain that i experienced when other mormons rejected me 
and I and I totally totally um, take responsibility for my part in that I made it very hard to love me um, is has also been so healing to me and for that I thank you but ultimately I'd like to broker some kind of peace with between my past and my mm, present sure and to love all mankind and to figure out a way to, you know, I have members of my family who I love dearly and respect completely who are still devout Mormons. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, I would like to figure out a way where I'm down with all of that. And I don't want, you know, I, I, I can find nuance. Right. And, and where it's an honest I think sort of. It is yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now it's something we just can't discuss. Right. You know, I'm just like, how can you, how can you? Right. And they're like, then how can you? <laughs> and we're in this uneasy, yeah, we're in this uneasy truce of let's not talk about that, which is not my way right. <laughs> at all, as you know. So I am so grateful to you for coming, talking to us and being part of this, like, um, this very, very messy process that I'm in. Um, when you had so many vulnerabilities of your own and just didn't put them in 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 front of the love like wow (laughs) well like I said I just really like you (laughs) I didn't want to lose you as a friend thank you but I think you know but you really really love your parents and you really loved your grandparents yes and for for you know to hear somebody saying repeatedly some terrible things that you probably don't believe are true at all right and just think are patently false um that's that's a huge feat of dare i say christianity you know and i'm not a christian and i'm not religious at all and that also can change i can look at um but i just think you know i do i love the idea of jesus christ i love the idea of christ's teachings i think they're beyond reproach and I think that a person who embraces them um, is a lovely person. And I think that you do. And I'm just really grateful to have you in my life and to, that you've de- demonstrated them so well. And, it, and you seem to be so nonplussed by like, why wouldn't I? And that's exactly why I love oh, you Oh, so I love you too. And I'm just, it's cra- I've always loved the way that you talk about your mothering and you talk about being a wife. And I just, you have so much to give and to add and why would I deny myself of that wisdom <laughs> just because well we thank no you and thank you and that's a lesson to me you know there's a lot that um so many people including you know what I've learned and gained from the Mormon church has to offer and so at some point I hope that there will be peace and that there will be I think for me I struggle with a con my conscience mm-hmm, mm-hmm says that you know well if this is wrong then I can't accept any of it and so we'll work it out I do have faith that things kind of mellow with time yeah, and we can find middle ground yep so thank you for unconditionally loving somebody you virtually didn't know <laughs> and for our relationship deepening over time and maybe you felt like you knew me more than I felt like I knew you because I have had this online presence for so long um but I'm so delighted to get to know you better and and yeah you keep doing your yourself man. well you too I love it I love it and I just yeah and I hope that we can you know keep talking and maybe we'll do another podcast like you said like in a city Manhattan sure. there's a story there's a story yeah yep. there's so many stories there are so many stories to be told so thank you a million times a million times and, back 
and um, have a wonderful day and Christmas season. And and you know what? We should probably like hang since we live in the same right. Place. Since we're less than a day's drive from each other, we should probably work out some time together. In person. Like my friend Jen says, it's so weird and gross that it's taken us this long. <laughs> to be like you know in physical contact several times a year but i'd love that so you're always welcome in bowling and you are always welcome in cincinnati and probably this winter while skies are gray and life is cold we should plan some time to see each other we should we should commiserate and 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 fantasize about swaziland together maybe even go there sometime that would that would be fun that would be fun well thanks a million for your time and big hugs to the whole Hinkley family of whom I've drawn the circle of protection <laughs> from internet haters and apostates. <laughs> Bless you. And hugs to all of your people too. Thank you, darling. Okay. I'll talk, talk to, you to you soon. soon. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye.